Five-year medical lenders hire advisors as revolver maturity looms. Intrado term loan edges lower mid-legacy business concerns. Diamond Sports completes new money $635 million term loan up-tier exchange transaction. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services issue memorandum in response to Texas District Court opinion. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring the latest developments in high-yield distressed debt and bankruptcy. I'm David Zupkis. Julian Ballon will be joining me for the Week in Review. Russia's invasion of Ukraine last week has sent shockwaves through markets, and in addition to the direct economic impacts of the conflict itself, the broad sanctions imposed on Russia and its state-controlled entities have had far-reaching consequences as well. For today's deep dive, Reorg Sean Daly explores the impact of Russian sanctions on the aircraft finance sector. Evan Wallach, President and CEO of Global Air Finance Services, Inc., an advisor to institutional investors and aircraft leasing companies, joined Sean to discuss how the legal ramifications of the sanctions interact with aviation asset-backed securities. Also, on March 9th, Reorg will be holding a live webinar focusing on the ongoing restructuring of Brazilian miner Samarco, where Reorg's coverage team will explore sources of tension between Vail, BHP, and Samarco's creditors, as well as look at a roadmap of what lies ahead. Please reach out to a Reorg representative for information about registering. It's Friday, March 4th. On Tuesday, regional sports network operator Diamond Sports Group announced that it had completed a series of refinancing transactions, including a $635 million new money first lien term loan, a second lien credit facility and secured note exchange, and the redemption of $31 million of its 12.75% secured notes. Under the terms of the transaction, all participating lenders and holders of secured notes exchanged their holdings for new second lien term loans, new second lien notes, and a new second lien revolving credit facility with more restrictive covenants and other terms. As a result of the transactions, the company now has $635 million outstanding under the first lien term loan, approximately $3 billion of exchange second lien notes outstanding, approximately $14 million of existing secured notes outstanding, and about $3.2 billion outstanding under the second lien term loan, as well as approximately $4 million outstanding under the existing term loans. In addition, the company had about $228 million of availability under the second lien revolving credit facility. Separately, in its 10K release Tuesday evening, Sinclair Broadcasting disclosed that Diamond Sports' largest near-term distribution agreement, which is assumed to be with Charter Communications, was originally scheduled to expire in February 2022, and is operating under a short-term extension while the parties continue negotiations. According to the filing, this distributor accounted for about 29% of Diamond's full-year 2021 distribution revenue. Intrado's 2.56 billion L plus 400 BIPs term loan due 2024 has edged lower in recent weeks amid concerns about the outlook for the Apollo-owned company's legacy audio conferencing and telecom business and its ability to migrate to a cloud-based business, according to sources. The company's most recent set of financial results for the third quarter showed a continued deterioration of the legacy audio and conferencing business, sources noted. The quarter's earnings were negatively affected by temporary timing impact of contracts but helped by continued improvements in selling general administrative expenses the sources added. According to sources, Intrado's revenue for the third quarter of 2021 ending September 30th decreased 21.6% year-over-year to $323 million from $412 million the prior year quarter, and adjusted EBITDA also declined 21.1% year-over-year to $95 million from, two, from $122 million last year. EBITDA for the enterprise communications or audio conferencing segment declined 67.2% in the third quarter to $39 million from $119 million in the same period a year earlier, sources said. Intrado has been in transition for the past two to three years trying to move away from the legacy business, but they face similar challenges to other unified communications businesses, especially in migrating customers, according to our sources. 
As Reorg reported on Wednesday, Viar Medical Lenders are working with Gibson Dunn as legal advisors as the manufacturer of respiratory devices and consumables faces the maturity of its $140 million revolver in 2023. According to sources, the company's revolver is about 75% drawn and current liquidity is about $42 million, including about $17 million of balance sheet cash. According to reports, the company successfully extended the maturity on its incremental $40 million revolver to 2023. About $10 million matured last December, which was paid with the proceeds of a final cash payment of roughly $75 million from the Department of Health and Human Services, with whom it had been in negotiations over a canceled ventilator contract. According to sources, Viar may seek to extend its revolver as it addresses operational issues. According to sources, the company's cash burn in 2021 was roughly $18 million. The sources added that the company's liquidity should be sufficient for 2022, given the DHS reimbursement last year, which totaled roughly $161 million. Sources also said, however, that the company could face challenges in 2023 if it has not returned its operations to cash flow positive. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services on Monday published a memorandum entitled Continuing Surprise Billing Protections for Consumers after the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Texas last week issued an opinion setting aside the interim final rule implementing out-of-network arbitration provisions of the Federal No Surprises Act. In last week's opinion, U.S. District Judge Jeremy Kernodal found that the September 2021 interim final rule implementing out-of-network arbitration provisions of the Federal No Surprises Act conflicts with the No Surprises Act and must be set aside under the Administrative Procedure Act. In siding with plaintiff Texas Medical Association, Judge Kernodal wrote that federal agency defendants improperly bypass notice and comment required by the Administrative Procedure Act and the rule must be set aside for this additional reason. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services in response said in its memorandum that the Departments of Health and Human Services, Labor, and the Treasury are reviewing the court's decision and considering next steps. According to CMS, the departments will take steps to conform to the opinion that include the withdrawal of guidance documents that are based on or that refer to the portions of the rule that the court invalidated and training on the revised guidance. CMS asserts that the court's order did not affect any of the department's other rulemaking under the No Surprises Act. The memorandum specifically notes that consumers continue to be protected from surprise bills for out-of-network emergency services, out-of-network air ambulance services, and certain out-of-network services received at in-network facilities. CMS also adds that the patient provider dispute resolution process for uninsured and self-pay consumers remains unchanged. Top Red Stories this week included Recent Rulings on Third-Party Releases, Texas Two-Step Cases Paint Mixed Picture, Is Bankruptcy More Equitable Path to Compensation Than Lottery of Tort System, or Non-Debtor Protections Abusive Process? Moby Seeks Transfer of New York Tortious Interference Action to Miami Chapter 15 Court, Cites Unique Tools Available in Bankruptcy Forum. Supreme Court Declines to Review Second Circuit's Madoff Decision Requiring Fraudulent Transfer Defendants to Establish Good Faith. A center retail plan consensually reconfirmed without voided releases, deemed effective as of original March 2021 effective date. And now here's Kathy from Los Angeles with the week ahead. Hello, today is Friday, March 4th. Looking ahead to next week on Tuesday, March 8th, Johnson & Johnson subsidiary and Texas two-step debtor LTL management will have its first omnibus hearing since avoiding dismissal of its case when Judge Michael Kaplan is expected to take up issues relating to independent review of potential claims. Also on Tuesday, March 8th, are two sets of oral argument and confirmation appeals. One before the Ninth Circuit by PG&E Paradise California fire claimants challenging plan provisions related to disallowance of their claims, and another before the Fifth Circuit by Highland Capital Management's former CEO, James Dondero, and related entities with respect to the plan's release, exculpation, and anti-suit injunction provisions. 
Purdue Pharma is slated to be in court on Wednesday, March 9th, on an expedited hearing to seek approval of the term sheet for the deal the Sackler family reached with objecting states announced just yesterday. The state of Florida and other states have filed objections already. The PWM property management debtors will also be in court on the same day to ward off relief from stay and adequate protection requests by mezzanine lenders. On Thursday, March 10th, the Nordic Aviation debtors will pursue approval of its disclosure statement along with rights offering procedures. On the same day, the LADAM Airlines debtors will seek approval of amended dip financing that would extend the maturity date of all dip facilities to the fall. On Friday, March 11th, the Alpha LADAM management debtors will pursue confirmation of their liquidating plan. Earnings will be reported for Alpha Metallurgical Resources on Monday, March 7th, Lifetime Fitness on Thursday, March 10th, and the Wee Company on Friday, March 11th. Noble Group faces a maturity date on Wednesday, March 9th, on their 8.75% notes of $750 million. That's it for me from Los Angeles and back to you in New York, where on this date, 233 years ago in 1789, the Constitution of the United States went into effect and the first federal Congress met in New York, only to be adjourned due to a lack of a quorum. For this week's Deep Dive, Rear Sean Daly explores the impact of Russian sanctions on the aircraft finance sector. Evan Wallach, President and CEO of Global Air Finance Services, Inc., and advisor to institutional investors and aircraft leasing companies, joins Sean to discuss how the legal ramifications of the sanctions interact with aviation asset-backed securities. Hello. This is America's core credit and distressed debt legal analyst, Sean Daly. Joining us for today's Deep Dive is Evan Wallach, President and CEO of Global Air Finance Services, Inc., an advisory firm to clients in the aviation industry with a primary focus on advising institutional investors on investing in securities issued by airlines, aircraft, and engine leasing companies, and advising aircraft leasing companies on the purchase, sale, and financing of aircraft and aircraft engines. Evan, thank you for making the time to be here. Yeah, Sean, thanks very much. Uh, pleasure to uh, be able to have the opportunity to uh, address reorg research um, with what's going on in the uh, aviation industry. So um, as Sean said, I spent about 35 years in the aviation sector um, where I've had a, a firsthand view of the spectacular growth of global air travel and the related financing for the thousands of aircraft uh, that have been used in this global expansion. So as Sean mentioned, when we, when we talked a few weeks ago, uh, the focus was going to be on how the airlines are financing uh, their uh, aircraft in the capital markets. Um, and we were going to discuss specifically uh, enhanced equipment trust certificates or, or double ETCs and how these have performed during the pandemic. Uh, however, given the events of this past week with, with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, we decided to shift the discussion to the global aircraft leasing sector which is being directly impacted from sanctions being imposed on Russia by the United States and the EU countries. But to take it one step further, we're going to discuss first how the sanctions will be impacting the large aircraft leasing companies who have aircraft leased to the Russian airlines. And then second, how the sanctions uh, will be impacting the asset-backed securities called aircraft ABS that are secured by aircraft and repaid from underlying lease contracts with various airlines around the world. And I'll, I'll come back to discuss uh, the impact on aircraft ABS later. So in both cases, the invasion by Russia and the imposed sanctions by the US and the EU 
have led to an unprecedented event whereby aircraft leased to Russian airlines by the large aircraft leasing companies who are uh, domiciled in Ireland, they must now terminate all their lease contracts with the Russian airlines by March 28th and then take steps to repossess their aircraft. Given that approximately 80% of all, all aircraft operated by Russian airlines are leased from the large aircraft leasing companies, this will effectively shut down all flights out of Russia and greatly impair all flights within Russia. So some of the, some of the important questions that we, we just want to address and discuss today are, you know, investors have come to view aircraft, I think, as a safe haven asset due to its mobility and its long useful life. And also there is an established uh, international legal structure for aircraft that recognizes the rights of lessors and lenders to uh, have their aircraft returned if there's a problem. So if the lessor owners cannot get their aircraft back from the Russian airlines, the question is, will this now change investors and financiers view of aircraft as a safe haven collateral? Under Putin's orders, what, what happens if the Russian authorities do not allow aircraft to leave Russia? And if the aircraft are grounded in Russia, will the Russian airlines properly store and maintain the aircraft? Under the sanctions, Boeing and Airbus have said that they will no longer supply spare parts to the Russian airlines. Uh, normal return procedures to return an aircraft after a lease termination usually is six to nine months. And typically this involves a detailed checklist for compliance with return conditions as stated in the lease contracts that could run into the millions of US dollars. This can greatly impact the value of the aircraft if not complied with. Under normal return conditions, the aircraft has to be deregistered from the lessee's aviation authority. Failure to do so greatly impacts the lessor's ability to release the aircraft. What happens if the Russian authorities refuse to allow aircraft to be deregistered? And there also is the possibility that the aviation insurance providers will no longer uh, provide insurance coverage for aircraft flying within Russia due to the sanctions. And without insurance coverage, the aircraft will have to be grounded. So just from these few points, you can see that the ramifications to the aviation industry are extreme. Uh, the industry was just starting to recover from two years of, of much lower global travel due to the global pandemic. Uh, one immediate negative impact, the additional impact on airlines from the Russian invasion is, is now the big increase in the price of jet fuel. And this will have a substantial headwind on their ability to recover. So the other impact uh, we want to discuss will be on the aircraft asset-backed securities that rely on underlying lease contracts with airlines for lease payments and also the aircraft residual values for the repayment uh, in full to the bond investors. Typically, these aircraft ABS are issued by leasing companies and are comprised of 25 to 30 aircraft with lease contracts with a diversified group of airlines around the world. So pre-COVID, these securities were performing uh, very well, as expected, with cash flows meeting or exceeding uh, the forecast. However, as the global pandemic hit beginning in March 2020, most airlines had to reduce their operations and had to defer and restructure many of the lease contracts, thereby reducing expected cash flows to the air ABS issues. These were just starting to recover. With the Russian invasion and the sanctions imposed, Many of the air ABS issues that, that air, have aircraft leased to Russian carriers and Ukrainian carriers and will again be impacted by not receiving any payments for the foreseeable future. Rating agencies KBRA and S&P both issued detailed reports 
uh, outlining the impact on the ARABS deals. So while some of the cash flows that were impacted by the COVID pandemic were look, starting to recover, some lessors have said that there is a possibility that they will never recover lost cash flows from lease contracts with Russian airlines. And further, that they may, may never even be able to recover their aircraft from Russia. So the outcome of this could, could be a change in the perception of aircraft as a safe haven asset uh, and have a detrimental effect on the future availability of capital for airlines and for the aircraft leasing companies. And this, this basically leads to a, a further slowdown in the growth of global air travel in the future. So it's been a crazy week uh, and it's only, and the ramifications of this action by Russia are just beginning to be understood. And, and, and frankly, the outcomes are widely unknown at this point. So I'll turn it back to you, Sean. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Evan. That's uh, very, very comprehensive lay of the land. If I, I could maybe just kind of poke in a, a few questions. So sure. you mentioned normal, normal state of the world timeline for return could be six to nine months. Correct. Is that, I, I mean, would you say kind of combining that with another point you just made about, okay, leases with Russian operators have to be terminated by the end of March. If you're holding one of these aircraft ABS, should you be thinking about it as, okay, um, you know, the, the cash flows supporting my security just aren't going to be there for six to nine months on these impacted aircraft. I mean, is that, is that kind of how you would, as a starting point, would, would think uh, about it? Yes. I mean, as a, as a starting point, that's, that's correct. I mean, the, these, again, the, these are very dynamic portfolios of, of air uh, uh, that, that, that are being managed um, by the aircraft leasing companies. And so during the, during the normal course of, a, of, an, of an air ABS deal, um, typically aircraft are being, the, the lease contracts are shorter than the repayment of, of the bonds. And so the no normal uh, activity is that there's always aircraft being returned and released, and that's the job of the servicer, which is the leasing company, to continue to generate cash flows um, uh, from, from leasing out the aircraft. So in, in this circumstance, um, you're absolutely right. We, we could see not only a, a circumstance where six to nine, where, where the uh, lessors, the, where the, the, the Russian airlines just stop making payments, the, the aircraft leasing companies can't get their aircraft. And so you could have a situation that actually is now estimated by some to be almost 24 to 36 months, during which time those specific aircraft will not be generating any kind of cash for, uh, for, you know, for repayment of, of the uh, Air, ABS, uh, AB, Air ABS bonds. The other issue also is that the bonds are structured in such a way that at the end of a usually like a 15-year period, if uh, the aircraft reach a year uh, age 15, those aircraft then get sold uh, either to parts companies or or to um, you know other leasing companies. The proceeds from selling the aircraft then go to the bondholders again to repay uh, you know principal on the tranche A's and tranche B's. You could have a situation now where these aircraft never come out of Russia, and if they, in, in which case, the value of those air of those residual value residual proceeds to the deal could be zero. So you really have a again, these are very unknown circumstances had never happened before. You know, over the course of the last twenty years, aircraft have been leased all over the world to many many airlines, and typically, when there's a problem with a with an airline bankruptcy. 
the airline basically just says to the owner, come get your aircraft. We want to do this. We want to do this uh, on a friendly basis. When we restructure, we may want to come back to you to release an airplane again. So they want to maintain a, 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 a relationship with the global lessor so they can always get aircraft. This is a totally opposite situation. This is a situation now where these aircraft may never come out of the jurisdiction that, that they're in. And, um, you know, it's not a it's not a it, it's a small part of the air of the, of the major aircraft leasing companies portfolio. But it's still it, it, it still will be an unprecedented event, you know, uh, where the assets will not be li uh, liquefied to ultimately repay the repay the bond investors for their with their funds. Gotcha. Thank you. So it's it's a double whammy. It's not just that, you know, you may be losing the the lease cash flows for a shorter period of time if you don't have recourse to the asset that's a, a huge chunk of residual value that just goes up in smoke okay exactly uh, yeah and so, i just want to add one thing and so this is on top of covid where in march 2020 hit global traffic basically was reduced by almost 70 percent for you know quite a few quite a long period of time all the lessees came into the lessors and said listen you know, I can't make, I, I have no traffic. I have no revenue coming in. I can't make these payments. So I need to have a deferral, just like, you know, real estate, you know, we need to have a deferral on our, on our payments and uh, until we can recover. And again, most lessors said, listen, that's okay. Cause I, I don't know what to, I don't have any other place to put the plane. So you hold on to it, use it when you can pay me what you can. And then when things recover, uh, we can get back on track again. That was starting to happen within the over the last six months, uh, and so deferred payments were starting to recover. So you were starting to see a recovery of cash flows coming into the um, you know into the trust that were paying bondholders because the bonds were way behind on amortization. So now with this happening, it, many of the deals have a few aircraft with the Russian carriers. So it's it's just going to make it's going to have a, a you know a, a detrimental impact on the deals, you know, trying to recover further. So uh, again, it, it, I, it, the, the perception of risk of, the, of these particular asset-backed securities is probably going to be, you know, much higher than it, wanted, than it was. Sure. And then you, you mentioned a point earlier about uh, diversification. So if you had to, you know, is there a, do geographic, limits come into play from a, a diversification perspective or is it more based on airline you know uh, I guess I would call it leasey credit quality credit, credit quality yeah no that, that's a good question so the, the 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 structures have been used for almost 20 years and they've evolved over time they're now very they have very very defined concentration limits built into the the structure when the deals are issued it's it's a concentration of aircraft type it's a concentration of, of, of country or region region jurisdiction, and it's also a country of individual individual credit less uh, lessee credit. So some of the aircraft, some of the deals, you know, depending on they they could have a mix where you have a very good aircraft going into a very risky jurisdiction, or you could have a, a weak aircraft going into a strong jurisdiction. So in the case of Russia and Ukraine. You had good, you had very good aircraft going into these jurisdictions on the supposition that you know the the, the Russian lessees would continue to you know pay to make make the lease payments. 
So in some cases, you have some of the deals have very good aircraft that are going to be stuck in within the Russian jurisdiction. And in other deals, you have, you know, smaller, older aircraft that, that are in there. So it really, you have to look at it on a deal by deal basis. Uh, but within those structures, yeah, I mean, that, that, that same deal will have a certain concentration in Asia, a certain concentration in, in, in the U.S., certain concentration in Latin America. So the, the deals will continue to perform. Uh, the problem will be that the, the amount of rent that they were expecting to receive uh, every month, you know, could be cut in half. And so what you thought was a bond that was going to pay off in seven or eight years now may be, you know, extended out to 12, 13 years because, you know, these are closed end trusts that really have no other ability to to um, uh, raise capital other than the leasing of aircraft. Mm -hmm. And aircraft coming in or out of the, uh, the securitization is that is that sort of, uh, you know, on a one for one basis, you go out, you sort of you get your initial assets and then I, I heard you mention, you know, they can come in and out uh, as lease terms roll off or the aircraft get too old. Right. But I'm, I guess, you know, I'm trying to get at this from the perspective of, okay, let's say there's an aircraft, it's, it's stuck in Russia. You're not going to be able to, you know, recognize any cash flows from it for the foreseeable mm -hmm. future. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you go out as the, you know, I guess, indenture trustee, yeah, get yeah. another aircraft or does it yeah, depend yeah. on you being able to sell that first aircraft to have the funds to go get something else? Right, right. So that's a, that's a very good question. So it, most of the deals are closed end trusts. Um, and basically they're, 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 liqu they're liquidating trusts. So if you start with 30 aircraft in the deal and you're supposed to you, you know, generate cash from the use of those airplanes over the next 15 years to pay back the bonds, you're, you know, you, you're basically, you know, re releasing and selling aircraft during that period of time. And you're, you, it's very rare that, I don't even know if it's allowed to bring in another, to go out and add aircraft to the, uh, to, to the trust. So you basically have a liquidating trust from day one that is going to repay the bond by the use of those specific assets over the, over that period. And um, we, you know, the, the deals are, the deals are structured to be refinanced uh, typically after a seven year period. Um, but that is only in the case if the, if the amortization of the bonds is, is sufficient enough so that you can now go out and get, and get financing for older aircraft based on, you know, what the debt outstanding is going to be. So my guess is that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the issues that we've seen that were supposed to be amortized and paid down and we're performing as expected pre COVID um, you're going to have the, uh, most likely you're going to have a, a pretty large extension, extension and duration risk, uh, for that same, for that same security. Gotcha. Okay. And so I, I guess that, you know, the idea that you're not, it's not bringing in a new asset, switching out an old one that just goes that's to correct. exacerbate the problem of having something, you know, essentially a stranded asset. Yeah, that's sitting, correct. Sitting somewhere that's on correct. a tarmac. Um, yeah which I, I guess maybe if we could pivot a little bit, thinking about the asset itself kind of, you know, stuck somewhere. And I, I know at the outset, you mentioned maintenance issues. If, uh, you know, OEMs aren't going to provide spare parts. I mean, I, I would also get the sense that, you know, Russia is perhaps not the ideal place to, to just keep aircraft. It's no, it's no Arizona. Uh, so how does, you know, how does that play into, <laughs> absolutely uh, correct. 
yeah. know, what, yeah. what kind of costs could, could you be looking at to maintain an aircraft? It's, 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 it, that, that is, it's a huge economic risk. Uh, absolutely. You hit the, hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, these are very complex machines. And so, uh, when you have to ground an aircraft, there's uh, very detailed procedures, whether it's for 30 days, whether it's for six months, whether it's for you know a, a year or longer. There's there's very very uh, uh, detailed procedures that are required in order to maintain the viability of the of the aircraft on the assumption that you're then going to bring it out of out of storage, you know, at, at some point. So uh, again, we're talking about an aviation community within Russia. Which is frankly, you know, they they've had their own aircraft uh, over over many many years, but they don't really they don't really have the, you know, the we call it, you know the MRO the, the maintenance repair operating a community that's that exists in Europe, and so there's a huge risk that these aircraft will be just grounded and parked without appropriate, uh, you know, the te technical procedures, and that could lead to a very rapid detriment. Of, uh, uh, to the asset, whereby if they ever do say come and get it, it could take it could be a to it could be more expensive to rebuild the engines or rebuild the you know the air the uh, the interior the airframe and and the propeller uh, and the engines to bring it out of out of that jurisdiction. So again, very unknown. I mean, the the only thing that that has ever occurred you know in this. Uh, situation would have maybe been, you know, the Iranian crisis in 1979, you know, where you had a couple of Western aircraft, uh, you know, owned and not, you know, owned by the, by the Iranian car carriers. But this is on, this is now, we've had a massive growth of aircraft uh, uh, leasing over the last 20 years, where half the, half of the world's fleet of aircraft that you fly on around the world are not owned by the airlines, they're owned by the leasing companies. And so lease aircraft leasing is now like, you know, the, if you will, like the, you know, the, the established, uh, uh, route for aircraft growth, air, air travel growth over, over, over the, you know, over the future. So the issue is also, so could this happen in China? Could this happen someplace else? You know, mm -hmm. uh, could this happen in, you know, I, it's hard to picture another jurisdiction of this scale that would, that, you know, if you know Venezuela is having its problems, so you know aircraft, could, you know, are stuck there. Yeah, I think I think people are now starting to look at China, and there's in there the uh, the aircraft leasing companies have had expanded ex explosive growth leasing aircraft into the Chinese carriers, and now I think they're starting to ask themselves, well, could the Chinese, could the same thing happen in you know in China that's happened that we're seeing unfold uh, in Russia. And there, I think the magnitude of the assets, number of assets in China, is probably tenfold than it is with with Russia. So, mm -hmm. again, you know, it's it's a it, it's an evolving you know issue. Yeah, interesting, interesting way. So, so to maybe pivot off that a little bit, I I know you've said now, you know, this is this is kind of an unprecedented situation. But if I could, you know, just poke you once more on that, I mean, is there? Can you think of Mm -hmm. any kind of prior precedent that can give insight into, you know, how any of this shit. Yeah. 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 Uh, really, really can't, uh, because oh, in, in almost every previous, um, circumstance, 
Uh, ultimately, the aircraft were deregistered and were returned by by the uh, country by the country carrier. Um, so, you know, I mean, just just to go in a little bit further, there's a, a an international agreement um, among countries called the Cape Cape Town uh, Convention, and basically, the Cape Town Convention was developed by Boeing over the last twenty years whereby all airline all countries would agree to an international uh, to a, an international set of legal um, press, uh, procedures and agreements whereby if an aircraft within that country's uh, one of the lessees or airlines in that country you know goes into bankruptcy that it would mirror the US bankruptcy provisions for US carriers whereby the aircraft would have to be returned within you know a, a 60 to a 60 day period Russia is a signatory to that to, to the Cape Town Convention. So, you know, it the convention was never tested because we haven't had any circumstance like this. So again, we could have a situation where the international community believed that there was there were going to be rules that every country would follow, including Russia, in circumstances like this. And now we're having now, you know, we're seeing that. You know, uh, this, this is this is this is a circumstance which no one had had possibly thought could ever occur. So that may unwind again the the again the uh, the risk perception of aircraft as a mobile asset is going to change if if that uh, if the Cape Town Convention is not abided by by uh, by the by Russia. Sure. Yeah. And to to go off of that. I, I think a lot in the bankruptcy context. So, for instance, looking at uh, Latam Airlines, mm-hmm. there, you know, a lot of times in bankruptcy, you'll get very strong legal rights, and you'll think there's a, there's a binary outcome here: either a lease is assumed or it's rejected. Right. Right. It's it's pretty common to see, you know, as, as things sort of get disputes get filtered towards settlement. Sure, maybe a, a debtor rejects a lease to get a little bit more leverage in renegotiation yeah. over yeah. new yeah. lease terms with the lessor. I mean, is is there? I mean, can you can you see right now any way where this kind of you know comes back to the middle, or it it seems pretty pretty binary? You know, these things are yeah. on the ground. Can you even get to them? Is sort yeah. of that that first you know binary question? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's an it's a, again an excellent question. So two two points. One. During COVID, even with norm, even with normal cooperation, you know, between lessee and lessor, where a lessor said, "Look, I can't use your airplane anymore. I can't make any payments. Come get it." You had a circ- you had a you had an environment where, you know, the lessor in the U- you know in, in the U.S. they couldn't even get a crew into country into the country that had that aircraft because of COVID restrictions. <laughs> so okay. you, you know, we've had some of that occur. Uh, you know, over the last two years, you mentioned uh, Latam. That's a very good example. So, you have Latam, which you know, one of the largest carriers in South America, uh, three hundred aircraft under operation. Uh, you know, under very, you know, most of them being leased in from all the major lessors. So, they decided that it was in their interest to file for bankruptcy uh, in, I think, June of twenty twenty, and part of that bankruptcy restructuring was cooperation with all the leasing companies to say, listen, come, you know, I, I want to keep your planes, but 
um, I can't pay what I'm uh, what I've been paying you. So if you if you don't want if you want to come get it, come get your airplane and take it out. So there again, that's how things are on a commercial basis. That's how things are supposed to work, and they were working, and they work very well. I mean, the, all the procedures under bankruptcy were followed properly and cooperatively. So, you know, you had precedent where, you know, major airline outside of the U.S. going into bankruptcy, restructuring, following all the rules, you know, with respect to reorganization. So in the, in the case of uh, what we're seeing being played out in Russia, that it, I think most right now, the perception is that they're not playing by any of the rules. And so the established legal constructs you know, which everyone globally was agreeing to uh, for the operation of aircraft, they're just saying we're not. You know, we're not going to. We're not going to abide by them. We're not going to follow them. Uh, we may just. We may just fly these aircraft until they fall out of the sky within within Russia. Uh, Putin may say, "I'm going to. You know, I'm going to hold these as hostage. You know, in return for other assets that are being seized out, outside of Russia by. Uh, you know, by EU and US. So. Uh, it's really unfortunate um, that that they that they're going down this route. But again, this is just one minor little little sector of the world that's being impacted, you know, by this invasion. But you can see the ramifications. Uh, I think are are pretty pretty enormous for it. Yeah, in, indeed, yeah. It's definitely yeah. a rock and a and a hard place. Uh, yeah. Well, Evan, thank thank you so much. I've got you know. Sure, sure book full of notes here on, on stuff to go look at. Uh, I, just want to, I just want to make one question. So I, I know yeah. we didn't really talk about, you know, the, the basic, you know, more, more the basics of the aircraft ABS structure, but um, for the listeners, you know, if, if they want to, I did a primer about a couple of months ago for uh, an aviation or, uh, organization. So if you Google, actually, if you Google intro to aircraft ABS, uh, you, you should be able to, to see my uh, presentation uh, on uh, that was done a few months ago. And in that, in that presentation, I, I use a, a colleague of mine, uh, John Mowry from uh, Alton Avi Aviation. He and I really went through the, the, the specifics, the history, you know, how the bonds are performed, what, go, what goes into them. And so I think anybody that's interested, that would be an excellent primer for them to, uh, to go through. And then I'm available as needed, to, you know, for, for for future discussion. Great, thank you, Evan. And that's uh, again Global Air Finance Services. That's right. right. That's right. Yep. yep. Okay. Well, we look forward to having you back for part two on okay. uh, unraveling the, the mysteries of double ETCs and looking okay. at some recent litigation there. Look forward to it. Yep. All right. Take All right. care. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to this Rear Weekly Review. Find all our podcasts on the rear.com webinars and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend and see you next Friday.